You ready? Hi ho, neighborino. <laughs> you ready to do it all over again? Okay, hold on. Over Here we go. And over and over. Welcome everybody to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. That's a clue about who we're doing tonight, but I don't know if I can play too much of it because it's, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't think we're big enough to get sued. But there's just enough to make us worry. Yeah. Anyways, how's it going, B? I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Cheers. Too. We really needed this. We did. I've been on the go. And I'm so thankful you were supposed to be out of town tonight. And we're fortunate enough that you got to stay. Fortunate enough? Yeah, I just refused to go. I I know. My husband and kids are up on the coast visiting his family. And I actually love going up there to visit, but the drive is so rough from where we live. I just hate going for a short amount of time. I'd rather go for a long period of time. Amen. So instead, I stayed home and did nothing all day. I was such a lazy piece of shit today. Sounds so amazing. Yeah, I was an absolute piece of garbage today. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. And now I get to sit here in a quiet, clean house and drink wine with my best friend who also needs to escape her husband and child. I've just been, it's just been too much. It's a lot in a week. You guys did a lot of traveling. You visited your parents. You visited a lake and a cabin. Done it all. You name it. Did it it all, baby. Been there. But I have a tan. You said I have a tan. B is very tan right now. Very golden. How exciting for me. So we are in my living room again. That's two episodes in a row. I think that's the first time that's ever happened. Oh. And I noticed last time we recorded in my living room. Oh, no, it's not in a row. We were in the pod shed last time. I thought so. Okay. Sorry, I'm an idiot. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, last time we recorded in my living room two episodes ago, I don't know if you guys heard it, but get ready to hear it again tonight, is my dog's um, toenails clippity-clappitying all over my yeah. hardwood floor. Clickety-clacks. I know his nails are supposed to be shorter and they're not supposed to make that noise, but he is 175 years <laughs> old and it stresses him out too much to go get them clipped. <laughs> And my husband can only do one pot at a time because then we lose him. And we're scared of sending him into cardiac arrest. Yeah, that's So this is what we're living with. He's not running anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem is he's not going yeah. outside and going on long mm-hmm. walks anymore because he makes it to the end of our court and like wants to pass out. Yep. Anyways, so if you guys hear Tippity Tappities later, that, that's what it is. It's my ancient basset hound pacing the floor <laughs> as he just collapses. <laughs> Oh, he's cute, though. I should upload a picture of him for I you guys. Oh, he's so handsome. Um. All right. So what else is going on? I got some stupid news from not this most current week because I was too busy, but before that. I love it. I know. It's some weird shit. So there was a real life Goody's. What? shipwreck yeah they found a shipwreck off the Oregon coast. Even it's even in Oregon. Legit. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. I was so excited. Uh, they found 330-year-old timbers, Ooh. and the ship had, like, access to the cave or whatever. But was there treasure? I don't know that they've gotten that far yet. All right. Oh, it was, uh, it became known as the beeswax wreck. Because it was full of beeswax? I don't know. Did bees move in? I don't know. I didn't get that far. I bet you they found a shit ton of treasure and just didn't want to tell anybody. That's what I would do. I would hoard it and not tell a fucking soul. 
All right. You ready for news that I picked out just for you? Mm-hmm. I found out that spiders can be afraid of other spiders. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought that was hysterical. So they even joked. Because they probably eat each other. Well, so they even joked like how terrified they must be of our own like haunted, like our own Halloween props. Like these giant fucking tarantulas. That would be so funny. (laughs) So I loved that. What I didn't love is I also learned that spiders can hold their breath underwater. Yeah, I knew that. For a red ridiculous amount of time like up to 40 hours or some shit that's also why i hate to break it to everybody but i have it on very good authority that when they say that they're coming to your house to spray for spiders it doesn't work yeah because the spiders just hold their breath right Mm -hmm. oh my god insane they just walk through it well i mean i've i've watched the black widows where you spray them with poison and they shrivel up. That's probably when, oh, and then come back to life. Yes. Yeah. And their fucking legs will pop out one at a time mm-hmm. and they're like zombies and they like come back faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're high. Yeah. Like they're on crank or some shit. And we have a black widow living in the, not like in the people part of my salon. But, but still. It's, it's in the back, uh-huh. like back, back, like stairwell room where we take our garbage out through the back We've door. We've talked about her on the podcast. Well, no, she died. Okay. The we sent in reinforcements, but yeah. we have another one. <gasps> and that's why I said, oh, they eat other spiders because she currently has a dead spider in her web that mm-hmm. she's eating. And you're like, God damn, you're a bad bitch. Savage. And I'm not. It's so crazy that something so small literally is keeping us from taking our garbage outside. Yeah. It's just collecting until we call somebody to come deal with her because we're a salon full of fucking scared women. Yeah. And it's so funny that I'm like something so small has, has taken up a huge space. Yeah. It's like. Nope, we won't even go near her. But maybe she's afraid of another spider. I wonder what spider would scare a black widow. Like would maybe it be... like a big old wolf spider yeah, or something. Right? I don't know. Look up spider fights on Google. No, later. thank you. <laughs> no, 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 no. On episode thirty-five, uh-huh. we gave our review of the orphan. Oh yeah. And on July thirteenth. We got a preview of The Orphan, The First Kill. It's a look at Esther's origins. Oh. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to tell me, because this also popped up on my TikTok, that people think the singer Lord, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Is really like 45 years old. Because huh. she claimed to be like 16 when she made that first album. And I haven't heard any of this. Yeah. The the rumor has it. You know how there's like that rumor that Avril Lavigne oh, yeah. is cloned? There's another rumor that Lord is pulling an orphan. That she's it. actually like a 45-year-old woman pretending to be a teenager. Incredible. How exciting. <laughs> what else is exciting? A million episodes back, you had mentioned the 12-foot skeleton in town. Yes. Mr. Bones. He's back, baby. He's back. He got abducted, <laughs> I guess, back in May. And they mm-hmm. got a GoFundMe page, and now he's back and dressed to impress. Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, full-on pool party yep. with his friends and the whole to-do. But even better is when I read that article, it sparked my memory, and I followed Home Depot on social media, and I was notified of when they went on sale, and I bagged an Inferno. <gasps> Stop it. I bagged a motherfucking Inferno. Is that what they're called? The Inferno's the one with the pumpkin head and the light up chest. But is it as big? 12 foot. Oh my God. Yeah, 12 foot. 
It just lights up. You're going to be the talk of the town, B. I know. So that gets shipped to store in September. O-M-G. Um, beyond ecstatic. Is it going to stay in your yard all year round? I, whew, that's a conversation we have yet to I'm have. I'm dying to know how they found a Hawaiian shirt to fit him. Really, though? I know. It's quite clever. Anyways, I guess if you go to like a big and tall store and like get the um, biggest size possible. The biggest size possible. I mean... Yeah, because he's skinny. It's just getting it. Well, I guess you take his arms off, maybe Mm -hmm. put the shirt on and and then put put his arms back in. Yeah, because that's what I was picturing is how do you stretch the shirt from around the arm? But yeah, probably just like assemble him like they do mannequins in a store. Yep. And then today I actually read this and I thought it was so cute. Jordan Peele shuts down a fan. Who, I have it on mine too. Yay! Who uh, said he was the best horror director of all times? And I quote, I won't tolerate John Carpenter slander. I have that screenshotted on my phone. Yep. That's why we love Jordan Peele. That's why he is a king. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't wait to go see Nope. I've seen all of his movies in theaters and they have yet to let me down. Yeah. I really love his movies. I think they're great. And I really like how. Even if it's like, for instance, this one's obviously Aliens and Uh there's been a million alien movies. But I guarantee you a Jordan Peele movie. I'm going to go and I'm going to see something that I've never seen in a movie before. Uh And I appreciate that because in today's world, everything's a remake. Everything's a sequel. Everything's a prequel. And it's really hard to come up with like original ideas anymore. And I feel like Jordan Peele really like brings it. Even if you have to like stretch your imagination. Yeah. It's an original idea. Yeah. I'm sure you and I went and saw Us together. <clears throat> no. Well, I saw Us by myself. Okay. Because well, I don't know that I saw it with Nick because he couldn't remember if he had seen it. Well, that doesn't mean anything, but I definitely remember seeing Us by myself. Okay. Me? But I'm just excited because... I think. Maybe we did go see it together. I think we did. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Because um, we talked about like the Santa Cruz scenes and... Yeah, I know, but... Yeah. Anyways, because we've also talked about it on the podcast, B. I know. So that's what I'm getting at is I'm excited. I definitely to, saw Get Out by myself because my husband's for sure. not into these type of movies. Yeah, so no, I'll I did not see that in theater. Mm-mm. All right. Well, you're saying you want to see Nope? Well, of course I do. But no, I'm just excited because we're going to um, rent it or whatever, buy it <laughs> and watch it while we're in Capitola because I want to like. Oh, us? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, because I want to like feel the feels and like be there and watch it when are you going to capitola the week before she starts school nice Mm -hmm. that's our first remember it's the first time she'll be in a hotel yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um my parents are taking my kids the first week of august so the week before you go to capitola yeah my kids will be in santa cruz yeah oh wow that'd be fun i should get them to watch us (laughs) (laughs) be like hey look out for these scenes Uh, um Okay, is there anything else? No. Okay, so let's see. Let me look up. First of all, if you guys have not been on my on our IG, you have not seen yet that I am first episode using my monk notebook. We cracked into that it. That B got me. How does she handle? Great. Yeah. A yeah. smooth glide. A smooth opening. I really the paper is a high quality. Uh, I know. I was the writing has it. been immaculate on it. I love the big spacing. It's been wonderful. Very fun. So I have a couple of things to talk about. I guess we'll start at the top. Speaking of IG, somebody uh, slid into my DMs and let me know that your girls are officially on Wikipedia. 
What? Yeah, but it's not our Wikipedia page. It's even better. But first of all, how do you get a Wikipedia page? Because that sent me down a spiral of like, that can't be something you I just know. start yourself, right? Yeah, anyone could do it. I know anyone can do it, but is it one of those things where if you start it yourself, it's lame? Kind of like giving yourself a nickname? Well, yeah, that's why we would never do it. Right. Anyways, we are officially on Wikipedia for, get ready, you're going <laughs> to absolutely lose your mind. We are mentioned under the media section for Gary Heidnick, which we covered in episode 33. Good uh, good evening, Clarice. Clarice. And that's what we're tagged with. Any podcast, movie, TV show article that references Gary Heidnick is, le- is listed on his <laughs> Wikipedia. And we're on and there. We're on it. True Hollywood Crime Podcast, episode 33. Good evening, Clarice. We're credited. Girl, you stop. Let's just quit now. I That's know. all the success we needed. The fact that it was on Silence of the Lambs. What Se- else no, could you want? Of any of the episodes. Yeah. For, it wasn't like the Too Many Barrels episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the fucking, the one where they're, where, where is Sissy Spacek in a treehouse? Right. <laughs> with chickens. Uh-huh. Can't even, the Badlands. Mm-hmm. Wow. Incredible. So there you go. That's so exciting. And someone told you that on. Our, on Instagram. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And more social media stuff. I'm going to try really hard. We've had a lot of uptick in TikTok followers, but I haven't put a video out on TikTok in like a year. I was going to say, we still have a TikTok. Well, we... That's, I mean, it still circulates, yeah. But like my TikTok is, is the podcast's yeah. TikTok. So mm-hmm. I, it actually keeps me from like, I don't leave comments or anything because I'm like, I don't want to reflect one way or the other on the oh. podcast. Mm. But yeah, no, my personal TikTok is our podcast gotcha. TikTok. Um. Anywho, I'm going to look into trying to put more audio clips up. So if you guys want to follow us, again, it's THC Podcast on TikTok. I'm going to try. That's all I can do for I, you. That's it. That's all we can ask for. And then we have some bittersweet news, mm. which is uh, me and my family are moving not far away. We're moving Thank to a different God. house. Just down the street, actually. When you told me I could bike, whoo, girl. It's kind of a long bike ride, though. Well, I guess not for you when you're drunk. Yeah, we'll find out. It's not that long. It is a, I timed it. It's a 75 second drive from this house. Okay. But it just feels like a like a little bit of a trek bicycle wise. But we'll see. You also bike for hours when you're drunk. So all the time. I love a, a drunk bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you should be fine. Yeah. And it's all safe neighborhood roads. And like I said, I got new bike lights. Wow. Anyways, I'll invest in a helmet. Uh, my family and I are excited because it's a bigger house. Um, it's a little bit of a nicer house, but it does mean the end of to the, the pod, pod shed. shed. I know. But Sad also a hours. new beginning, a new space. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I had actually, before we found out we were moving, I had asked if you guys wanted a pod shed tour and a lot of people on Instagram said yes. And then like literally the next day I found out I was moving. Just kidding. So I'm going to clean up the pod shed. I'm going to give you guys a tour. Finally, we'll take some pics. Um, I'm sure we have another couple episodes out there because we're friends with my landlord. Yeah. So even after my family moves out, I'm sure she won't mind if we sneak right. back there for a cheeky little podcast. All right, a little peekaboo. And then I'm going to pack it up and we're going to move it and have our own corner in my new garage. Yeah. Because it's all cleaned out. There's nothing in it right now. So we get to start fresh and it'll also be the hangout zone because I have tweens now who, I mean, can you need, do anything to make tweens happy? Cave. 
So I'm going to make a little tween cave, a little podcast cave. We're going to hang up all of our decorations again. We're going to get some, not new to me because they've been in my family forever, but new for the podcast, get some new chairs out there, have a whole new setup. So I will post the old tour of the... the Old and the new. The old and the new. How It'll be exciting. It will. It'll be fun. Yeah. And last but not least on my list is a perfume trying that I promised you last time, remember? You did. Mm-hmm. All right. It's on the um, tray. It's behind the wine. Oh, my. Ah, I see you. So this week for our perfume haul, I'm try. we're going to try Black Opium. Ah. By, who's it? By Yves Saint Laurent? Mm-hmm. This is what um, Gen Z says all the baddies wear. All the little boss bitches wear Black oh. Opium. Have you smelled it before? I have. Do you like it? I do. Mm. It doesn't give me a baddie vibe. It doesn't to me either. To me, it smells like the more grown-up sister of Ariana Grande's cloud. Okay. I haven't smelled it in a long time. So, like, I haven't smelled it since I had clouds. So. Yeah. Uh Because it's a little sweet. But it's just a little bit more grown up. Yeah. No, that's really good uh, comparison wise. Mm-hmm. So I think this is what it is. And th- it does smell good. It does. Um, I would say for me, uh, Ariana Grande, Cla- I can't say that. Anyways, no. Cloud is like what? Like the little sister. Mm-hmm. This is like the more sophisticated, older, already moved out of the house sister. Yep. And then we'll say Baccarat, Baccarat Rouge the- is like the rich mom. Yeah. For you know sure. I mean? Who funds everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So. What's funny is, um, what did we do last time? Tobacco vanilla. Mm-hmm. I'm getting more tobacco-y vanilla yeah, notes out of this more than I did from that. Muskier. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I will say Baccarat's still my favorite. Yeah. It also um, has way more lasting power than any perfume I've ever used. And that's really ideal. I'll wake up the next day still smelling like it. I'll smell yeah. like it all day long. I'll smell like it the next day. I've even taken my kids to the pool. I've been swimming in the pool and I can still fucking smell it. And maybe that's why it's like such a signature scent on people. It's like some days they might not even spray it on themselves. But, but it still smells yeah, like it. Yeah, it's like becoming a part of them. So yeah, that makes me want to get my hands on Killian. Is it called Joy? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. I don't know where I got Joy from. There's so many Killians. <laughs> because yeah. it's supposed to smell like Rihanna. And I was like, but the reviews all say that it smells really sweet. And you tripped me out when you said that. And I went online to start reading shit. And I got way too in my head about it. They're talking like bubblegum, cotton candy so, sweet. But here's my theory. Okay. It is our tobacco vanilla theory. Okay. It is our cloud meets weed theory. What does Rihanna do all day long? Smoke weed. She smokes weed. Yeah. So I bet you Together. the signature Rihanna scent is something really sweet yeah. mixed with her weed habit mixed with probably just her own pheromones. <clears throat> For sure. Yeah, because when I read that, it really tripped me out. And not only that, so what? The little bottle that we just sniffed of the opium? Mm-hmm. How much was that? That was probably like 10 bucks or that- under. The Baccarat is still like that little vial's like 18 bucks. Uh-uh, but that's the problem. The Killian, 22 to $25. I'm like, for fucking cotton candy smell, I don't know that I need to spend $25 on a vial of something <laughs> that's going to give me a headache. And you can't that go is, and... I'm going to say that's all Rihanna's fault. Yeah. It's because that inner, that rumor got passed on the internet that she smells like Killian. Uh-huh. 
But no, that's my Rihanna theory is that if she is using a really sweet perfume like that, if it's, she even is, people are just saying that. Yeah, Who knows? For sure. But it might be that mixed with her weed consumption. Mm-hmm. And when you mix it all together, yeah. you get that tobacco-y, yeah. musky, sweet. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Hey, Rihanna. Just stop by my house. Let me sniff you one time. Slide into the DMs, Let's figure girl. this out, girl. Uh-huh. Let's figure out what's going on. Okay. Give us a sniff. Are you ready? <laughs> I wonder what he smelled like. Uh, <laughs> I Probably nothing good. <laughs> he looked dirty. He did look dirty, especially when he got arrested. Mm-hmm. All right. Tonight, we are doing the not serial killer Charles Manson and the Manson family murders. If you are... If you're listening, of course. If you're listening. listening. I mean, you could just have this on. You don't have to listen to us. That's right. If you want to play along at home while I babble and babble about Charles Manson to play our THC drinking game, take a drink or a hit of whatever you're doing anytime we are not in the pod shed, which we're not. We cheers. We mention a badass big sister. We mention a previous episode. We We mention the hit TV show Monk or we spill something. Boom. How's that? Cheers. Cheers hey. to not being in the pod shed. Hey, hey. It is so hot. I actually haven't been outside yet today. Is it hot outside? It's been hot outside all week. It was disgusting during the day, but the evening ended up not being as bad. The night times actually haven't been bad at all. Yeah, it, it could have been a lot worse. Because I was out watching Oreo and the Duck snuggle. Oh, cuties. It was super cute. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a vibe. All right. So. This is episode 74 about Charles Manson and his cult and what they did to some very innocent people. What'd you watch, B? House of Manson and Hillary Duff. Perfect. <laughs> we'll get to it. Yeah, it's in here somewhere. I actually watched a movie, too, for mine. Ooh. I watched a documentary called The Family Inside the Manson Cult. Ooh. I really liked this documentary because the main people talking, first of all, the main person that interviews is one of his former followers named Linda Kasabian. Okay. She was there the night of the murders. Okay. I so, think she was in the movies. Yep. She gives a first-hand account of what happened. It's the She's been in hiding for 40 years. It's the first time she's spoken to anybody about what happened that night. Wow. And it also has another one of his ex-followers named Gypsy. That's her nickname. I didn't write down her real name. As well as Deborah Tate, which is obviously <laughs> Sharon's sister. Mm-hmm. And the, like, main prosecutor and, like, lead detectives in the whole shabeel yeah so i liked it i like that it was a first-hand account for sure um i also read a great article on vox by aja romano and of course wikipedia duh and then <laughs> of course charlesmanson.com obviously i don't know why that exists because everything <clears throat> exists on the internet yeah i don't know if it's a fan site or if it's not it's just <laughs> it's literally just a site of information about Charles Manson and the Manson family. Well, so there you go. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> Make what you will with it. I have so many notes. Pray for us. Uh, Charles Manson mm-hmm. was born November 12th, 1934 in Cincinnati, Ohio to a teen mother. His dad cut out really quickly. Like when I think when she was pregnant, oh, yeah, was he gonna, left. Yeah. <clears throat> 
She does get married to a man named William Manson right before Charles's birth. But he is actually so obviously the last name Manson came from William. His first name, Charles, comes from his grandfather, his mom's dad, because his grandparents pretty much raise him. His mom and William are probably both alcoholics. They drink a ton. They get involved into some like kind of petty crimes and robberies. And there's this whole background with them. His mom's in and out of jail a lot. So Charles is pretty much raised by his grandparents who are lovely people. And, you know, the rest of his family's around. He doesn't have like a weird, twisted childhood like a lot of these kids have where there's a ton of abuse and assault and he didn't hit his head or anything. But he does have terrible role models for parents. Yeah. Right. So by the age of 13, he is getting into that same life of petty crime, robbery, stealing shit, stealing cars, being just an overall like juvenile delinquent. Yeah. As he like goes through teenagehood, it gets worse and worse. It becomes armed robbery. He starts assaulting people. He's in and out of juvie constantly where he starts um, like uh, assaulting and attacking and sodomizing like younger boys there in all these detention centers he's in. In 1954, so he's been in and out of jail this whole time, his whole childhood and teenagehood. 1954, he's released at 19 years old to his aunt and uncle's care where he finally settles down gets a job gets married Mm -hmm. we saw this with uh who did we see this with just recently was it the um m is for murder it was remember yeah that one wife and he was in and out of jail all the time he like gets out he settles down he tries to do it the right way it wasn't enough charles doesn't try that hard he dreams of going to la so he packs up his now pregnant wife steals a car in ohio and drives out to L.A. to make his dreams of fame, I guess, come true. Okay. However, three months later, he's caught with said stolen car. And he spends three years in prison because it's a big parole violation where his wife then divorces him from 1957 to 1967. Again, in and out of jail. He he's a pimp at some point where he Ooh. pimps out like like young women and girls. Classy. Uh, he gets married again, this time to a sex worker, lots of like robberies and burglaries and, you know, just scumbag shit. Of right? course. Yeah. However, there is a fun fact that at one point in the middle of all this chaos, he was in prison with one Danny Trejo. So there's something to wow. think about wonder why he like how he hasn't slipped into one of the movies or I guess maybe you did. Was he in the Tarantino? I do not remember. I don't. Yeah. I only saw it once and I was very. Was I high when I watched that? I don't know. I was not of my right mind. Of right mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very fun. In prison, he spends time studying and reading about religions, especially Scientology and also reading about how to like control people, manipulate people, especially through the guise of like an organized religion, right? Finally, he is released from prison, 1967, where he moves to the Bay Area, our one and only, and he kind of bounces around between Berkeley and San Francisco. He loves, of course, the Haight-Ashbury district. He becomes a fixture in the hippie and counterculture 
scene. Of course. That's huge back then. You know it. He has this dream of becoming a musician. He plays the guitar. He's a singer-songwriter. He dreams of fame. And in the Bay, he just really finds a scene that clicks with him. There's drugs and music and musicians and sex and all of, you know, the the things that he probably fantasized about, right? Yeah. He is very likable. He's very charming. He's very... Uh, he wasn't bad looking. Especially not when he was younger. Yeah. No, he was very charismatic. Yeah. So he had no problem making friends. He had no problem making connections. Yeah. And like I said, he becomes kind of a big deal on the scene without being famous Anything. like a Janis Joplin or a Jerry Garcia right. or somebody. He does, however, use this hippie culture to his advantage by exploiting very young, naive kids People, kids, teenagers, very young adults who have like moved out for the same dreams, but they're very naive and they're very, you know, maybe some of them are sheltered. They're all on drugs. Oh, and so he kind of uses this counterculture, young, hippie, predominantly female movement. And he starts manipulating his way into these very controlling friendships and relationships the first of which is a girl, I guess a woman, a young woman, Mary Brunner, who's 23 years old. She's a librarian at the time. He convinces her to let him live at her house for free and he needs money. So he eventually convinces her to start doing all the little petty robberies and shit that mm-hmm. he does to help support him. Okay. He, in a very short amount of time, gains more and more friends or followers some would call them eventually the youngest of which is 14 he starts a commune they call themselves the family we now call them the manson family but the people in the group called themselves the family okay and they really looked up to charles like a father figure yeah that's he would take care of you he's older than all these people he's a good 10 years older than everybody Mm -hmm. so that's what i mean by like he manipulated the situation. He took advantage of these like young kids, these young adults, and they really looked up to him like a father figure, like they were his children. Absolutely. In the fall of 1967, he packs up his air quote family and moves to L.A. to chase his dreams of stardom. Okay, let's go. Down in Southern California, his charisma attracts many people. Again, he's making social connections, not just with people who want to like follow him and be part of his family, but we're talking about music producers and musicians and artists and actors and like big names on the scene. He's like getting in with these guys. He tries to record some music with all of his new little producer friends. And although they like him as a person, he's... They find him to be like a mediocre musician and very hard to work with. Yeah. He's unorganized. He's uncontrollable. He's like kind of all over the place. And uh, they just it never quite happens the way that he dreams of it happening or the way that he thinks like he deserves for it to happen. And he thinks very highly of himself. He thinks so, he's a genius yeah. and his followers think he's a musical genius. I actually want to note that in the documentary, we're talking, you know, like I said, what, 40 something years later, mm-hmm. Linda and Gypsy 
even though it's been this far removed from the from their time in his family, and we're talking about grown ass women, are they still? They still talk obsessed? about the fact that he's like a musical genius. Wow, and. All the everything else I read about him with like actual people in the industry were like, eh, he was all right. Oh my gosh. So I thought that was very interesting. Okay. His biggest connection that he makes is with Dennis Wilson. Do you know who that is? No. Dennis Wilson is one of the Beach Boys. Oh, love the Beach Boys. Very near and dear to mine and my family's heart. Oh, fuck yeah. Yep. Me and my husband and my kids, we love the Beach Boys. Dude, Zoe. one clip yeah. of her life that was it that was the only when, thing that made her not cry when my youngest was a baby and you know how like babies just cry for no reason like she wasn't hungry she didn't need to be changed whatever babies just like fuss and yeah. cry if you put on kokomo mm-hmm, that she was it would stop crying almost instantly yeah and then we started you know once kokomo's on you gotta listen to a bunch you of other beach boys mm-hmm. and i forgot one how many great songs that I already knew by them. And then I learned all kinds of new Beach Boy songs where I'm like, this is the shit. They're it so is. good. I know. Incredible. We're ancient. We're a million years old. Fuck that. The Beach Boys are ancient. Do you know how long they've been a musical group for? <laughs> I learned this. It was Zoe's first year of life. I had to Google it. And they're like, they started off as like, almost like a doo-wop group in black and white picture days. So this is what I'm getting at. I think... I told you the last time I hung out with Forrest and he didn't know who Rod Stewart was. <laughs> he didn't tell I me that. I fucking died. And I even was like, I get that you don't recognize the name. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but what if I played you a song? Right. And he's like, okay, sure. So I'm like, if you think mm-hmm. I'm sick. And he's looking at me like, what? He's like, is that even a song? He's like, it's a bop, but like, it's I, a bop. I, but I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I was disgusted. I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. That is so funny. So could you imagine he's not going to know who the Beach Boys are? Yeah, yeah. No, not a clue. <laughs> Although he might have heard Beach Boy songs more than Rod Stewart songs. True. Because they're in a lot of movies. True. Fuck. I happen so, to me all the time because I work with uh, girls in their young 20s. I, I work with dinosaurs. Yeah. So I feel young and vibrant no, every day. No, I'm the dinosaur, <laughs> but I take it in stride and I just, I know that they're not going to know yeah. and I don't hold it against them. So yeah. if I want to tell them about something, I go, this is probably before your time. Do you know who so-and-so is? Yeah. And they go, no. Yeah. I'm like, okay, before I can tell you this funny story I want to tell you, Here's I have this. to explain to you yeah. who Cher is. Hold oh on. Oh, my God. Or whoever. God. I just did the other day, and I can't remember who the fuck it was for. Oh, you're breaking my heart. It's just the way it goes. I know. Generational. I know. They think we're dinosaurs because we don't know who fucking, whatever, little young, little bibbity boop bob yeah, ex- exclamation XYZ. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who cares? With the face tattoos. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys. At this point, the family has grown bigger than ever. And through 1968, Dennis actually lets the family move into his house, live there for free. He loans Charles. Can I call him Charlie? Charles feels so. He loans. Call him Chuck. He loans Chuck. (laughs) Hundreds of thousands of dollars to help him record his album, oh which never comes to oh fruition. Man. He does all of this in exchange for as much sex as he wants with Manson's young female family members, yeah. followers. And at this point, his family members will pretty much do any the female followers, specifically the female members, Our will game. do anything for Charles and 
anything for the good of the family. Of course. And that's how he presents it is like, this is for the good of the family. This is so we can stay in this fat house and launch my my career, my my music career, which is going to carry us, which is going to take care of us forever. You got it. Mm -hmm. Dennis introduces him to a famous record producer named Terry Melker. Ah, oh, you know who that is? Melcher Melker. Mm -hmm. He's in the movie. He is, in all fairness to Terry, like a Hollywood nepotism baby. Mm -hmm. He's a nepo baby. It's all good. They exist. But that he's I think he's Doris Day's son. Great. He has a girlfriend, actress Candace Bergen. <gasps> Do you know who that is? Yes. Murphy Brown. Motherfucking yes, bitch. Talk about us being dinosaurs. <laughs> I watched it with my grandma. Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Back then, she didn't have any, like, really big, Talk well-known parts. She's, like, the OG boss bitch. Yes. Yeah. And I shouldn't say that she didn't have well-known parts. I am young enough that when I looked up her filmography from back then, I didn't recognize one fucking movie title. Worth mentioning. And I feel like I've seen a lot of movies. But then it got to Murphy Brown. I'm like, oh, my God, that is Murphy Brown. Of course. Oh, no. Of course. So anyways, Terry's dating Murphy Brown. They live together at a house they're renting on 10050 Celio Drive. Both Dennis and Charlie are at their house often because Terry has agreed to work with Charlie and sign him to his record label and produce an album for yes. him. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Dennis is also like trying to help him out. He actually gets the Beach Boys to record one of Charles Manson's songs. That oh, he my wrote. goodness. So they record that. I'll get into that in a bit. Eventually, though, Dennis Wilson's manager is like, enough is a fucking enough. And his manager actually kicks the family out of his like, house. Like, can you stop fucking wasting your time? And bleeding my client dry. Yeah. Yeah. So he kicks the Manson family out Thank of goodness. Dennis's house. So Charlie moves the whole fam to the Span Movie Ranch. Okay. This is a ranch owned by 80-year-old George Span. It is used as a set for old Western movies and like B films. Mm -hmm. So it's a big ranch. And on that ranch, they have built up like a little old Western looking town. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I believe that's a big part of um, once once upon a time in Hollywood because they're shooting yeah yeah a movie it absolutely at Span it Ranch. absolutely is mm -hmm. so he allows the family to live there for free in exchange for manual labor ranches take work and of course sex with the very young female followers at eighty years old thanks George. But this is the perfect place for the commune to just absolutely thrive by the summer of 1969 when our girl Linda, remember Linda, I can't remember her last name, but from the documentary. Yep. Summer of 69 is when Linda joins the family. She is a young, newly single mom and the commune has grown to the family has grown to 32 adults, mainly women, but there are some men there as well and seven kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The kids was crazy think of the paradise she found she was actually a little bit on the not on the run from her ex-husband but things just went real south with her ex i think 
there was like maybe some i mean didn't all husbands just beat their wives back then oh i get it for sure and especially when it's like you're saying there's these drugs and this hippie love and everything i get it so gypsy also from the documentary is the one i don't know how she meets linda she's the one who invites her to come meet the family see if she wants to move in and linda is transported to this place where people are living in these buildings that look like old western buildings i won't lie at first i think it'd be kind of dope i they would suck me in so fast right i, I think, mean i would draw the line at some point yeah i think that's pretty yeah. but everybody was super welcoming to her the men were very protective of her under like especially Charles. He's very protective of the of the girls. Or at least that's the facade he puts on. He right. does let them trade their bodies for his own personal gain. Of but course. He puts on the air of you're safe here. Your ex can't get you here. That's what you're saying. Like up until a point. Mm-hmm. And that's the point is when you ask me to go fuck the ranch owner so that we can have rent. Um, But yeah, she finds... <laughs> An amazing place, a hippie paradise. Everybody is equal. Everybody does their fair share. Everyone's equal except for, of course, Charles, who is the leader. The almighty. But everybody else is equal. And there's drugs and there's music going on all the time. And there's sex with anybody you want to have sex with. Of course. They're just living this like idyllic commune lifestyle. They have these like LSD parties two to four times a week where they gather and take acid together. And if it turns into an orgy, great. Yeah. And if it just turns into a dance party, that's fun too. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Charles, of course, plays it smart. He either stays sober during these parties and just lies or he takes way less than he's literally hand feeding his family members because then he can maintain control of the situation and he has power over what he's like saying to these kids as they're tripping off their fucking asses that clears up some questions that i had so perfect thank you hey that's what i'm here for yes ma'am so he's basically like i said hand feeding these young lost souls LSD and other drugs and then going on these fucking rants and raves because guess what? Hold on to your socks, everybody. Your boy Charlie is racist as fuck. If you didn't already know that. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So as these kids are tripping on acid, he's fucking talking out his ass about this race war that's getting ready to start that's going to basically... He believes that black people are going to take control. There's going to be a big race war. They're going to win at first. They're going to take control of society. It's going to basically kickstart the apocalypse Mm -hmm. and the fall of Western civilization. That shit's so crazy. Charlie and the family are going to basically go underground and wait for their time to strike because he believes that black people are not smart enough to like keep control of the new society that they'll be building. And then him and the family who are the air quote chosen ones by Mm -hmm. God will rise up and reclaim the power for the white man. Hi Hitler. Wow. What a, what a thing to believe. And his, his family members believe this shit too. They hear it enough 
with enough drugs in their system and enough loyalty and wanting to pay back Charlie for everything he's done for them that they believe this shit too. Literally drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Absolutely. Literally. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not smart enough to know about the history during this time. But what was the the race war? There's situation? not one. He made that up. It's because if you think like late 60s, they're coming. I mean, they're probably still going through the whole civil rights yeah. fight. The Black Panthers are, are finding their power as they should. And so he's just kind of using that to feed the flames because it's not so out of pocket to think that if you're a scared racist white person that that could actually happen. Yeah. Because okay. they're like, oh, my God. Somebody else is getting rights, you know, like gotcha. terrifying. Right. The um, worst. He also becomes obsessed with the Beatles, especially the White Album. There is a song that I played at the very beginning of this. I played a snippet of it mm-hmm. called Helter Skelter, which he listens to on repeat all day long. He's listening to Helter Skelter. Oh, he truly believes that not only is Helter Skelter about him and his family, but that it's the Beatles' message to him that they agree with him, that this race war thing is going to happen, and they support him, and uh, he really takes it to heart. Did the Beatles ever get to find this out? The Beatles did, and they all made statements that that's fucking bullshit. Of course. And let's read some of the lyrics, because it has Nothing to do with whatever the fuck this guy is going on and on and on about. I can't wait. So, yeah, there's lyrics like when I go to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide till I get to the bottom and I see you again. Don't you want me to love you? I mean, it's just not. That doesn't spark race. You may be a lover, but you ain't no dancer. Look out. Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter. Look out because here she comes. Helter Skelter's coming. That's all he needed. That was confirmation. It says, I'm coming down fast, but don't let me break you. Tell me, tell me, tell me your answer. You may be a lover, but you ain't no dancer. This shit has nothing to do with what the fuck he's talking about, but he has it in his brain that this shit is about him. So to him, what is Helter Skelter? Is it the race war? Is it? So I can tell you what a, what Helter Skelter is in general, what the Beatles are talking about. Okay, sure. And I have a funny antidote about it. Bring it. Hit me. Okay, all I know about Helter Skelter is this. This is it. I'm not even a Beatles fan. So when my oldest, who's now 12, was a very precocious, like, two-year-old, the only thing I knew about Helter Skelter was Charles Manson. Yeah. And my, my toddler is sitting there building something out of clay, out of Play-Doh in my living room. And I was like, oh, what are you building? And she looked at me and she said, I'm building Helter Skelter. And I said, what What? the fuck? What? And I'm like, oh, my God. She's possessed by Charles Manson. This is it. We have a possessed toddler. So I was like, why? Why are you saying that? Where did you get that from? And she said, Peppa Pig. What? I was like, what? So then I had to Google it and... They still use the term in England because what helter skelter means is something that's like very confusing or disorienting. Disorient, disorienting. Yeah. yeah. 
So there's an episode of Peppa Pig where they're at an amusement park and they go on the Helter Skelter, which is a roller coaster. And it would make you get all googly gargly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where my toddler got it from. But when I tell you, I was dying. So that's what Helter Skelter means. It's something that's like very confusing and disorienting. That's what the Beatles mean. Which falling in love could be. Right. Right. It takes you up. It takes you down. Yes. That's how the Beatles meant it. Charles Manson meant it as a sign that he is going to win the apocalyptic race war. This apocalyptic end of all days zombie race war. Bring it, Manson family. Incredible. Yes. Meanwhile, (laughs) the music career is dwindling quickly. Yeah. Terry does not want to work with Charles Manson um, for a lot of reasons. But his mom is smart enough to advise him that before he talks to Charles about this, because Charles is so passionate and his personality, is his mood can be so unpredictable and violent at times. She's like, he knows where you live. You should probably move out first. Thanks, mom. So he picks up. Him and Murphy Brown, get out of there. Yay, he takes Murphy with him. He doesn't leave her there. He breaks well, up with her and leaves her in the house. I don't know. So Terry and Candace move out before telling Charlie the bad news. And a world-renowned director, Roman Polanski, and his new wife, actress Sharon Tate, move in to the house. On what I say, was it Celio Drive? Mm-hmm. We're not going to get too much into Roman Polanski, because it turns out Roman's a huge piece of shit. He is. And I wanted to know, do you know of anything significant that he's done? Like, I guess he did what? Rosemary's Baby? So he directed Rosemary's Baby. Which, other than that. So he also did one that you've never seen. Mm-hmm. I'll be surprised if you've heard of it. It is a great movie, though. And it's called The Pianist. And it's starring, um, I can't remember the actor's name, but a great actor. <laughs> You'll really love it, B. Let, <laughs> let me tell you what it's about. It's about a um, pianist who survives uh, the Holocaust. <laughs> and his love of piano music really gets him through hard times. Wait, but, okay. And he won a shit ton of Oscars for it in like 2000 and something. There's a Russian guy in one of the Sex in the City seasons. I think his name was Roman. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's the same person. But I can tell you that Roman Polanski raped children. So I know that's yeah. I, no, I don't know if it at this. It's I'm not sure. Allegedly, when. no. It's I. It's for sure. Oh, but I'm just. I don't mean if it was like when he was married to Sharon Tate, or if it was later on. I'm yeah. not sure when in his life he did that. It was an <sighs> ongoing situation. Oh man. So I'm not going to talk too much about Roman. No. But at the time, everyone loves fucking Roman Polanski for whatever reason. He is married to, like I said, Sharon Tate. She is gorgeous. She's 26 years old. Golden girl. She was born in Texas. But she's like your quintessential. When you think of like a California girl of the 60s, this is who you're picturing. Blonde and tan and beautiful. Big pearly white smile. She grew up in Texas, a pageant queen, and turned that into a modeling career. And then turned that into an acting career. Yeah. She had it. She's beloved. Her husband loves her. Her family loves her. She's sweet. She's kind. She's got a ton of friends. 
She's living the life. She's been in a lot of movies, like kind of B-rated movies, including a horror movie that I've never heard of called Eye of the Devil. Wow. She's best known for, and this happened right before uh, the crimes we're going to talk about soon, she starred in a movie called Valley of the Dolls, which mm. was a huge deal, got her a ton of award nominations, um, and that was like her big, Break. really breakthrough role. Mm -hmm. So at this point, her career is heating up. She's in a happy marriage. L.A. it girl, Sharon Tate. I would also like to say, I don't know if this is how she met Roman or if Roman put it in, her in this movie afterwards. She's also starred in a movie called, I <laughs> that I really want to watch. It's called The Fearless Vampire Killer, Okay. directed by Roman Polanski. It is noted to be a British comedy horror movie set in Transylvania. Oh. I would love to watch that fucking movie. Of course. But she's best known for Valley of the Dolls. So Terry and Candace have moved out. Sharon and Roman have moved in. Terry finally grows the balls to tell Charles Manson, who has been hitting him up like crazy, him and Dennis, right, about this record deal situation. And he finally drops the bomb on him. Like, sorry, bro. Yeah. It's, it's not, not going to happen. Charles is pissed. He's also upset because at the same time, the Beach Boys have released their song they recorded. They've changed the name of the song. They've changed the sound of the song, meaning when Charles sang it and wrote it, it was a very, like, bluesy song. And they're the fucking Beach Boys. So they made it into a Beach Boys song. Yeah. Which is funny because the lyrics do not go with, like, a Beach Boys sounding song. But it does go very much with a fucking Charles Manson ideology. Like the idea of like Charles Manson brainwashing people. Because let me tell you the lyrics. Let's see. Cease to resist. Come on. Say you love me. Give up your world. Come on and be with me. I'm your kind. I'm your kind. And I see. Um, submission is a gift given to another. Love and understanding is for another. I'm your kind. I'm your kind. And I see. It's like that, it, but it's over and over and over again. It's these lyrics about like, <clears throat> just be submissive. That's no help me, Rhonda. <laughs> no. Is that a Beach Boy song? Help me, Rhonda. Yeah. Help me get it's no, heart. It's no um, California Dreamin'. Yeah. So not only have they changed his song, but they don't give him writing credit for it. So he's in his feelings about that. Yep. Now Terry's not working with him. He's in his feelings about that. And I mean, I get it. Be in those feels. But he confronts Dennis and Dennis basically finally is tired of being used and tells him to like fuck off. Mm. So now a very upset and pissed Charlie shows up at what he believes is Terry's house Yep, to find that Terry has moved out and now Roman and Sharon live there instead. And he's pissed and upset, but he leaves. Now we have to give up the music dream and we have to realize that there's no music money coming in to support the family like they thought there would be. So his followers step up to the plate. They start robbing houses and robbing people to help fund the family. They also do this weird thing where they'll break into homes and yeah, they'll steal stuff, but they'll also just like rearrange people's furniture while they're sleeping. I and mean, then when they wake up, everything in their house is different. It's not 
not funny. <laughs> it's really <laughs> fucked up. It's so, could you imagine if that was your house? I would die. <laughs> uh, you, I'm scared of everything. Could you imagine? Oh my god. Do you remember in college one night I blacked out on Long Island and I hid all my hand towels throughout the house? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Where did you end up finding them? Everywhere. Where did I not find them? Oh, you didn't put them all in one location. No, you put them all, all over. The house. over. For sure. One time my stepdad blacked out and I'm assuming he blacked out because he had no memory. And I woke up the next day when everyone was still asleep and I opened the kitchen drawer and the clock was in it. Oh, like the wall clock. Uh-huh. So something between him and that <laughs> clock happened <laughs> while he was drunk and he put that shit in the kitchen drawer. <laughs> we can't even look at each other. <laughs> okay. Now, this is when our family starts to take a dark turn. This hippie, beautiful, music, fun lifestyle has kind of gone out the window. They're a little bit in survival mode, and Manson is a little bit in downward spiral mode, right? He is spiraling. So the peace and love is gone. Now it's just fucking hard drugs and petty crime and Charles Manson's fucking speeches about the race war that still isn't fucking happening. Hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. And he's also starting to get violent with the members. He's starting to really like, like he'll beat up people. He hits women. He beat up Gypsy one time. So he's also getting violent in his little rants and raves. And they're worried about the consequences of leaving or of not doing what they're told. Because besides the physical violence, this has become your whole life. They're worried about leaving the place where all their friends and family are. Do they have a life to go back to? They're worried about the ones that have kids. Are they going to kill my kid if I try to run? What? Are, yeah, what are the consequences? And also, they believe in what he's saying, and he's telling them that when the apocalypse comes End from the, the race war, the only place to be safe is with the family. So that's what they believe. <sighs> Charles needs to start building his army for the war. The war. He gets some help from a local MC, a.k.a. Motorcycle Club or gang, if you want to say gang. Mm -hmm. They're called the Straight Satans. Mm. And they come in and they help him do whatever the fuck it is he's doing. Who knows at this point? Again, for exchange for sex with these young female family members. It is they even note that Manson girls are so well trained. (gasps) They just do whatever he wants. Wow. However, like I mentioned, you will be shocked to find out this race war, this apocalyptic race war isn't fucking happening. Nope. Charles Manson's full of shit. His predictions are wrong. He decides, maybe it's the sign from the Beatles, I don't know, that what they need to do is kickstart the race war themselves. And they come up with their own plan to do this, which they call Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter. Got it. So what they're going to do under the guise of Helter Skelter is kill white people and then frame up the scene to pin it on either black people or more specifically the Black Panthers. Interesting. Okay, And that will start the race war because white people will think that the Black Panthers did it and they'll attack the Black Panthers and they'll retaliate and we'll finally get our race war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy. Huh. All right. All right. I'm seeing connections now (laughs) I might not have put together earlier 
we have a couple practice runs. One is with just some like low level drug dealer guy. I didn't even write down his name. Charles thinks he kills him. He doesn't. The guy survives. Uh huh. Yeah. Then we go on to somebody who is very close to the family and affiliated, though not a member. His name is Gary Hindman. He's actually a music teacher and a PhD student. And he does sell drugs to the family from time to time, a little extra pocket change, and they let him hang out, you know, mm-hmm. when he wants to get squirrely for a weekend. Sure. Charles has it in his head that because he deals drugs from time to time that he's fucking rich and loaded. And so they go, Charles and a few of his closest followers, including one of his, like, right-hand men. I'm going to call him Bobby B because I can't pronounce his last name. Okay. Bobby B. Bobby B. Him, Bobby B, and a few other followers go to Gary's house where they tie him up and beat him up and demand to know where all of the money is that he's hiding. And he's like, I don't have any money. Like, I don't, I can't give you any money. But Charles wouldn't lie. So they kind of keep that going for a couple days until they've had enough. And Charles brings out a sword and cuts off Bobby's ear. And Bobby's still like, I don't have any fucking money. It doesn't matter what you do to me. I don't have anything to give you. So Charles then has his boy, Bobby B, finish the job, which Bobby then stabs Gary to death with the sword. The other followers use Bobby's blood or sorry, Bobby's blood. Use Gary's blood to write political piggy in his own blood on his own wall and then they make the symbol of a paw print which Mm -hmm. is the symbol of the black Black panthers Panthers. and this is when charles really realizes that he can in fact get these people to do absolutely anything he wants this happens july 25th 1969 a few days later bobby b is caught driving gary's technically stolen car He's found with blood still on his clothes, which I'm cool. like, you didn't change your clothes, Bobby. No. Mm-mm. And with a bloody knife in the car. So he's yeah. officially locked up. But, you know, he's not talking. All right. Bye, Bobby. August 8th, 1969. Sharon Tate is officially eight and a half months pregnant. Her husband, Roman, is in Europe for the summer directing a movie. And he's actually due to be home in just a couple days. Okay. She has three friends staying with her. Her very best friend, Jay Sebring, who I want to mention is one of the very first, if not the first, famous male hairdressers in L.A. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And for me as a hairdresser, probably an even bigger deal. Yeah. That's her bestie. Did they ever date? They tried. Yeah. There was like a little bit of a romantic history there, but it didn't work out and they just stayed friends for life after that. Cute. So that's her bestie. And then her other friend, Abigail Folger of Folger's Coffee. Oh my gosh. Fame. Wow. And her partner, God rest his soul. I am so sorry if the I name. mess up his name. Wojtek Frykowski. Sure. Charlie chooses... First of all, his right-hand man, his other one, this is the one that is with him all the time, helps run security on the ranch. This is Tex. Yeah. You know what? I just realized I didn't even write down Tex's real name. But Tex. I might. I think his last name's Watson. I think, yeah. Or, yeah, Watson. But I can't remember his first name. Anyways, yeah. 
So he chooses Tex, who is, I don't know if they have girlfriends and boyfriends in the family, but he does regularly have sex with Linda, okay. our girl Linda. Okay. So you got Tex, you got Linda, and then you have Susan Atkins and Patricia Krenwinkel. The names absolutely kill me in this. I had an easier time with the goddamn... The 1931, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. The Vampire of Dusseldorf. Yeah. Curtain. So he chooses them to go to what he says is Terry's house, even though he knows Terry doesn't fucking live there, even though he went there and he saw that a pregnant Sharon Tate lives there to kill everybody inside. But the only person who knows these instructions, according to Linda is Tex. Mm -hmm. The girls think that they're just on another robbery and possible furniture moving spree. Sure. And they're excited. They're in a great mood. Everyone did speed before they left the ranch. So they're ready to go. And they're very excited that, you know, the original pick me's pick me girls. They were chosen. They were hand picked by Charlie, by big daddy, Charlie to go do this errand with Tex. Yeah. However, they do think it's weird that Tex grabs a bunch of rope and knives before they fucking leave because they're like, what do you need those for? Right. But who's who are they to question? What do we know? Maybe what that's know? what we need to get in. A couple dumb broads. What do they know? Just kidding. Not really. <laughs> they arrive at the Tate house at around 1215 a.m. Tex gets out of the car first and goes and cuts the phone cords, the Phone wires? Lines? Phone lines. Tex gets out of the cor- car first and goes and cuts the phone lines. And he, you know, calls for the girls to get out of the car and they start kind of walking towards the driveway when on the like kind of neighborhood road, another car pulls up. Tex stops the car and just fires four shots with a, I think he had a 22 at the very young driver. Who had nothing to do with anything. His name is Stephen Parent. He was just a random guy who was there to visit somebody else in the neighborhood. Okay. And Tex stops him, shoots him, kills him. And Linda goes into shock. Because she's like, what the fuck are we doing? She thinks they're there for a, a burglary. The Kool-Aid wore off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but what are you going to do? You're already you, there. You're going to like talk shit to the guy who's kind of sort of your boyfriend and just shot someone right in front of you and has a gun. Yeah. So he calls the three girls that are with him and they head on up to the house. Wow. I would be so fucking scared. What like finally coming to the realization of like, oh, this is what we're here to do. This is why he has everything. They get in through a screen door. This is why you should always lock your sliding glass doors. And if you're like me, have a a pole, stick, a stick in there, which Mm -hmm. we talked about all the way back in episode one. Gainesville oh, Ripper. Gainesville Ripper came in through sliding glass doors. There you go. That's an old throwback. Boop boop. So he gets into the house by cutting the screen door. Linda, who is clearly panicking at this point, he tells her to stay outside and keep watch. And he goes inside with Susan and Patricia. Next thing Linda hears is absolute fucking chaos and screaming and pleading and begging and she starts freaking out even worse yeah what's going on inside is Tex goes around they gather up the four people in the house they get them all into the living room 
where they proceed to tie rope around Sharon and Jay's necks very tightly. And then they anchor that to like a ceiling beam. Okay. Jay sticks up for his bestie and demands that they are more gentle with her because she is clearly very pregnant thinking i'm sure he's probably thinking this is just like a like a robbery right right take whatever you want but please take it easy on her she's really pregnant and for that he gets shot by tex instantly tex then goes on to stab jay seven times wow abigail and her partner are fighting back at this point they're not tied up so they're fighting back her partner woge tech is stabbed in the legs but because they're just fighting back against the two other women He's a man, even though he's been stabbed in the leg, he overpowers one of them and runs out the door where Linda watches right in front of her. Tex catch up to him. Mm-hmm. He pistol whips him. He actually beats him in the head with the gun about 13 times until the handle of the gun breaks off and then starts to repeatedly stab him a whole total of 51 times and then Fuck. shoots him and then shoots him two more times. I guess. Just for, for good measure. Yeah, just to be sure. Dang. At this point, Abigail's gotten free from her attacker. She runs out the back door where she's caught by and tackled by Patricia, who then, with Texas help, begins stabbing her a total of 28 times. That's a lot. At this point, Linda can't take anymore, and she just goes back up to the car to wait. And she waits in the car. Mm-hmm. Back in the living room, Sharon, who is now pleading with Susan to let her live because she's pregnant and let her live for her baby's sake, is met with Susan and Tex stabbing her a total of 16 times. They then go back and forth about whether or not they should cut the baby out of her stomach, but they decide not to. Oh, my God. They take Sharon Tate's blood. They write pig on the front door. And they head back to the car Ugh. where they find a very scared Linda. Mm-hmm. However, these three are fucking amped to the gills. They're super excited. What a time. What a time to be alive. They're high on fucking. They're talking about the ins and outs of it and how it all went and whatever. Tex gives Linda because she's been good for nothing all night. Gives her the job of uh, collecting the knives and their bloody clothes. Wipes the prints off the knives. And as they drive back to the ranch, it's her job to throw things out the window as they go. Earn your keep, Linda. Mm-hmm. Their bodies and that whole scene is found by an employee, I believe, around 8 o'clock the next morning. And it hits the news pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, Sharon's sister, Deborah, talks about it. Devastating. Absolutely devastating. She talks about how when they had to call Roman over in Europe, he absolutely fell apart. Apparently, Roman did really love her. No, not only did he really love her. Apparently, he is a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. So we have to give him kudos for that, I suppose. And she said that he's the strongest man she ever met. I don't know if Deborah at the time of this documentary knew about everything that he was involved in. Yeah. But she said, we're talking about a Holocaust survivor. We're talking about a strong man. And he absolutely fell apart mm-hmm. at the news. I mean, how could you not? It's your wife and baby, right? I know. The next night, 
the original four murderers. I mean, Linda's not a murderer, but the OG four plus two more family members, Leslie Van Houten and Glenn Grogan, mm. join Charles Manson himself. And they are out to find some more victims to kill because Charlie's going to show them how it's done. He says the murders last night, too sloppy, yep. too chaotic. Mm-hmm. He's going to show them how you really get this shit done. Do better this time Mm -hmm. and i'll be here to make sure right except for he's not even fucking does that so they sort of randomly choose this house i guess they had gone to like a party next door to this house like a whole year before that and it kind of just like stayed in charlie's mind that these were like really nice houses in a really nice neighborhood okay this house belonged to the married couple um, Leno and Rosemary LaBianca in the Los Feliz neighborhood in L.A. They're both local business owners. They're good people. They're pillars in their community. They got a nice house. Innocent people who don't deserve what they got. Yeah. So Charlie has them park outside of the couple's house. He goes in first by himself and then he comes back and lets uh, Tex know that he tied up the couple and he sends in Tex, Patricia and Leslie to handle the rest of the job. And he takes the other members and drives away inside the house. Tex, Patricia and Leslie put pillowcases on the married couple's head. They wrap lamp um, like a lamp cord around their necks to keep them, you know, stable. Yep. And then Tex stabs the husband first and then he like turns and he'll stab the wife and then he'll go back to the husband he does that a few times he stabs the husband a total of 12 times the women then attack the wife rosemary where they stab her a few times she already dies from her stab wounds and they continue to stab her post-mortem at least 41 times oh my post-mortem why because they're fucked in the head oh my goodness eventually they go on to stab the husband post-mortem as well leaving a knife in his throat and leaving a carving fork in his stomach leaving the pillowcases on their head and um in this documentary trigger warning it is on it's free on pluto right now if you guys want to watch it most of the documentary is the people who are there talking about it and then a lot of reenactments However, they do have real crime scene photos and even in black and white, it is fucking rough. Yeah. It's rough. I could imagine. So trigger warning, if you guys do watch the documentary, it's a good documentary, but you know, be warned, be prepared. It's graphic. After this, they all take a shower together. Of course. And then they, (laughs) they eat their food, which I don't know why that made me so upset. I'm like, are you fucking serious right now? I mean, they worked up an appetite. I know that you probably appreciate the food not going to waste, but I just feel so personal. Yeah. <laughs> like, how dare you? You already killed them. Like, can you just let, leave it? No. Nope. Just fucking leave the house, please. Mm-mm. Nope. And after the shower and the food, they then hitchhike back to the ranch. Meanwhile, Charlie wants Linda, Susan, and Clem to kill an actor friend that Linda had just met recently. So she met this dude on the beach. He's like a foreign actor. She knows where he lives, what apartment building he's in, what apartment he's in. 
And so Charlie wants her to kill him. He drops them off at this apartment building in Venice Beach with instructions that Linda will knock on the door. When the guy opens the door, Linda's supposed to slice his throat immediately. That'll be their next killing. Okay. Oh. oh. And I forgot to mention that at the, the house of the married couple in Los Feliz, they took their blood and wrote the words rise, death to pigs, and helter skelter on the walls in oh, that home. They went for it. Okay. And that's supposed to be what they're going to do at this <clears throat> guy's apartment. They're supposed to do the same thing. Slice his throat. Use the blood. Write the words. Yeah. yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Linda's not going to fucking do that. Oh, okay, Linda. Because she has the advantage of being in an apartment complex and because she has the advantage of being the only one who knows what apartment it is, she purposefully knocks on the wrong door. Mm. And when it's very clear that not the right person answers, she just goes, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I I must have the wrong place. And she tells the other guys like, Oh, I don't that that's the wrong one. I I guess I don't remember which one it is. They they abort the mission and go back home. Okay. Now, as you can imagine, B, as we've seen so many times before, LA is in a panic. Oh. The sell the the sales of weapons and guard dogs rise abruptly. Everyone's freaking out. Especially these like rich and powerful people in like the Beverly Hills area in these rich neighborhoods because it's very clear that whoever's doing this can get to them. Of course. No, absolutely. Back at the ranch, Linda's done. She's had enough. This is not what she signed up for when she originally joined the family. Charlie asks her to do him a favor and go visit Bobby B in jail because he wants to see if Bobby B is talking, ratting. And so she uses this chance to escape the family she goes off into hiding Uh, a little while later there's a raid on the compound they're looking for like weapons and drugs and stuff but they don't find anything and no charges are pressed two months after that susan who is one of our original murderers is arrested in connection to gary's murder i don't know if bobby ratted or not i'm not sure okay But for whatever reason, Susan's arrested. Sure. And she's in jail. November 1969, she brags to her cellmate that she's part of the Manson family and they were the ones that were responsible for all the, like, famous murders that just happened. Yeah. This cracks open the case. LAPD issues warrants for arrest of Patricia, Leslie, Tex, Charles Manson, and Linda, Mm. who has to come out of hiding to turn herself in. July 15th, 1970, they go to trial, which I'd like to say the past few episodes, we have had a, at least one date that is tied into the current date. So July 15th, they go on trial. This is currently oh, July 23rd. Yeah. But I mean, like we're in the same months. We are. Which I just think is fun. That's something. So anyways, July 15th, they go on trial. Linda agrees to testify against the family. She knows that what they did is wrong. She didn't. She participated, but she didn't actually kill anybody. And for her testimony, she gets immunity. Wow. They won't press charges against her. All right. This case, as details comes out, shocks the nation. We are talking about young, all-American, air quote, good, white children doing this shit. America can't believe it. This is also what kind of launches us into the satanic panic. 
uh-huh we've era which this. we've talked about a ton yep. it basically lasts from right now that we're talking about all the way up until like the 90s absolutely everybody's found guilty of course except for linda right everyone else is found guilty they're all sentenced to life in prison upon sentencing tex is 21 years old susan is 20 years old patricia's 21 leslie's 20 and charles manson even he is a little young. He's 33 years old when they're all sentenced to life. Babies. Susan eventually dies in 2009. Patricia is still alive and in prison. And she currently holds the title of the longest female inmate in California history. Leslie's in prison, still alive, but she was hospitalized with COVID during the Panini. Oh. Tex is still alive in prison and he is a born again Christian. Uh huh. Charlie Manson really did a lot with his time in prison. He has served everywhere from San Quentin to our very own Vacaville State Hospital for the criminally insane. Oh, which is about from where B and I grew up in the Bay Area. What a, a forty minute drive. Sure, thirty forty minutes. Yeah. My uncle. We've talked about this on the podcast has been um, a CO in both places. He's there been a we correctional go. officer in San Quentin, and he's been an officer at the Vacaville, the, uh, I remember, the California State Hospital yeah. that's in the town of Vacaville. I remembered Quentin. I didn't remember about the hospital. Oh, yeah. He's, hospital. he's worked at the uh, the state hospital, and he worked there when, uh, I don't know if Charlie was there, but Charlie was definitely still alive. Mm-hmm. In prison, Charlie gets up to all kinds of stuff. He gives multiple interviews. I mean, anything for the fame, right? If you got to go, if you got to be famous for anything, just at least he's famous. Yep. Correct. Um, In the Vacaville, in the California State Hospital for the criminally insane, he is set on fire by another inmate. So he does have some burn issues. Okay. Um, eventually he's found to be a drug trafficker in prison. So they move him to Southern California after that. He almost gets married. He gets engaged to a woman, then finds out that she just wants to marry him for the fame. So he doesn't marry her. As we know, he has at least one kid out there in the world, but I'm sure he has multiple children mm-hmm. in the world running around. He goes on to record an album. With the help of one Henry Rollins. Do you know who uh, that is? Well, I know the name. He is the lead singer can, of Black Flag. I can picture him, but I don't know anything about I'm Black Flag. really upset. Okay. Because Henry Rollins, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. He's very smart. He's very articulate. He has. He's a world traveler. Any podcast I've heard him on, I mean, the music's great, but he himself, I've always been a big fan of and then this he fucking helped charles manson make a goddamn album I, I, while he's in prison I'm now i'm not a fan anymore. right Ugh. anyways the album just like every other failure in charles manson's musical career is unreleased fucking loser right eventually charlie dies on november 19th 2017 Due to cardiac arrest, that was due to the cancer he had been battling for a few years. So, you know, there's the fuck off rest and agony. Uh, Linda, like we said, went into hiding for about 40 years. She raised her kids out in the wilderness, which is what she said she wanted to do. Um, after the trial, they did like a little press 
interview with her, like a little press briefing. Uh-huh. They asked her what she wanted to do. Because you have to remember how young she was. She was in her oh, very early 20s. Yeah. And she had a kid. And they asked what she wanted to do with her life now. And she said, I want to take my kids. I want to move to the wilderness. And I just want to live a really simple life where I connect with myself and nature and God. Okay. And that's what she went and did. There you go, Linda. And raised her kids out there in the privacy and the safety. And I will say that in the documentary, the prosecutor who worked with her to get her to testify against the family said that everything the family claimed they were and they were not, Linda was. He said she's not a killer. She's not a murderer. She's a true flower child. She was a true hippie child who just was looking for like some peace, some love, some safety and like a communal space. Yeah. And she found herself in the middle of a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And so after she testified and helped put those motherfuckers behind bars, she got to go live out her life in nature. Love it. So there you go. The Manson family. It's kind of a nice ending to a horrible story. Yeah. You know. I mean, at least Linda got. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how nice her life was. I hope it was nice. I hope she didn't live her life just scared for 40 years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I hope that she found some peace and solace wherever she was. Definitely. But, you know, good for her testifying against them. Good for her. That must be so scary to go against what everybody else is doing. By the way, she only spent all of everything I just told you. Linda was only in the family for four weeks. Which explains why she was less influenced. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. I wonder why, though, again, after only four weeks, then why was she one of the chosen ones? You know, I guess for being Tex's girlfriend. Maybe because she's with Tex. Yeah. Who knows? I am so excited to listen to you talk now because I'm so fucking tired of talking. <laughs> I can't wait to just sit here and listen. And I got two movies to talk about. Real quick, did you give your thoughts and ideas of what you think about Charlie Manson and the Manson family? You reminded me going into it. I had totally forgotten that he hadn't killed. Not a serial killer. Yeah. He is not a serial a- killer. Mm-hmm. And even his followers technically aren't serial killers. No. So that was interesting. And then the whole move or music career and <laughs> apocalypse and whatnot. But yeah. And then going home and my mom having the book. Your mom has the book. Helter, Helter Skelter. Skelter. Which is what? Like a biography? We'll find out. I snagged it. It's mine now. I'll try to read it when I can. I mean, I'll have plenty of time while my coworker goes out on another knee surgery. So, <laughs> have her read it. Give, let's yeah, give her have review a review on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great, perfect timing. We're gonna start with the 2014 House of Manson, and we'll begin at Barker Ranch, California on October 10th, 1969. I got really confused between the two ranches. I only know of one. The ranch where they had like, there's the movie ranch Mm -hmm. and apparently then there's this ranch where he's found. Okay. Yeah. So this is the Barker Ranch. Again, 10-10-1969. 10-10 my wedding anniversary. And my mom's birthday. Uh-huh. Yep. My This was four years after my mother was born. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We listened to hard rock playing in the background. For all I know, it could have been one Helter of his. Skelter. Right? For reals, though. 
We see helicopters flying above, police storming the ranch, breaking down every door before they find Manson hiding in a chicken coop. Oh, amazing. Oh, is that where we're going? Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Not tonight, though. No, of course not. Thank (laughs) God. We see him taken into custody and locked in jail where he meets with his attorney and the attorney's telling him... You're going to be here for a while, so let's start from the beginning. Tell me about your past. So here we go. West Virginia, 1945. We see an illegitimate Manson who claims his mom had no time for him. But also, like, don't get it twisted. He doesn't blame his mom. It's just, like, in his own words, it's hard to hate someone that you never knew or that was never really part of your life. He gets into trouble at an early age at eight years old. I guess he tried to set his school on fire. I didn't read anything about that, but I didn't read much. So, okay. Who knows? In 1955, he meets the love of his life. Rosie. She gets pregnant to keep her happy he commits these crimes that gets him in jail and he ends up missing the day that charlie jr was born okay 1956 california rosie brings charlie jr in for a visit but it's basically to tell uh manson like i'm not going to be returning this is the last you will see of your son we will no longer be a part of your life March 1957, Manson's mom comes to tell him that Rosie's moved on and um, he needs to move on too. (laughs) He tried to escape a few times to find Charlie Jr., Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I don't know if my Charles escaped to find his son, but he but, definitely had some escape attempts under his belt that right. did not work. All right, Mr. Kanye Bundy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I thought uh-huh. it was. Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Always got caught. After he got out, he like we said, he tried the married life again. Right, we've got another kid, and. I guess this time around, he got popped for a bad check, which got him back in jail for another 10 years. Golly. I know. By the time he gets out, the 60s were in full swing, the beauty of the whole situation, right? And he is ready for the free love, the fucking, the all of it. And this is where he meets Mary. And they hit the road for Venice Beach in 1967. We see them picking up girls along the way and whether the girls are running away from an old life, got kicked out, whatever. All he's there is to offer them love and acceptance and the guidance and basically whatever it is that they've been searching for. Tell me what you want. Tell me why you're running away. I can give that to you. Right? Who wouldn't believe it? Me. And also um, in the documentary when they're doing little reenactments, they're showing how like like when Linda first gets to the ranch and like yeah, everyone's so friendly, but they're like in her space to the point like the they'll come up and like grab her face and like Charles comes up and like the first time he meets her, they go like forehead to forehead and then he like kisses her forehead. And I'm like, 
Nope. I'd be out right then. Yep. I wouldn't make it 30 seconds on that With that, that kind of touching. Mm-hmm. I don't know you. Stop yeah. touching my forehead. From Anyways. here, we're off to Manhattan Beach. And by now, we've got quite the following. They're sitting in tents and we're high as a kite. We're debunking religion. He's telling them shit like, if you want to survive this new world, you need to start questioning everything you've been taught. We're all rebels now. He starts fucking some girl named Patty. I wonder if that's Patricia. Maybe. She joins them on the drive along the Pacific coast. April 15th, 1968. Mary has a baby. July 15th, 1968, we finally meet Terry Melcher. This is why I know who the fuck Terry Melcher is. Yes. Hopes of starting a music career because according to Manson, he's going to be bigger than the Beatles, baby. That's pretty big. Bigger than the Beatles, bitch. (laughs) I think they still hold the record for like the most successful band. Terry is so fucking coked out. Yeah. During this meeting. Yeah. Right? That's what I said. Nepotism, Uh, baby. So, of course, he's interested and offers him some cocaine as well. Um, I thought it was interesting. Manson refused the cocaine. Mm -hmm. Was like, no, not unless you really want to see me go crazy. Oh. Right? And I'm like, okay. So, they share a dupe instead. Okay. You know. Of just, God, imagine just that garbage dirt weed. That's all I could think of is like, I mean, drugs are fun and all, but this really is my idea of hell. Like, California, SoCal, summertime, no air conditioning, and you're just high. Oh, God. So I saw. Smelly, sweaty. Everyone's fucking. I saw a TikTok that really resonated with me the other day. It was basically talking about like old school housewives. Oh, and how they were high and drunk. Give me, give me the housewife drugs. That's my dream life to be home in like a fucking costume, basically. Yeah. Right. Cleaning. Cleaning. Man, high. Out of my mind. High and drunk. Yeah. Just but fucking. It's not boop, the boop, high boop, that boop, you boop. like be. They were on methamphetamines. But if I get to clean. Yeah, I know, but I, th- I don't know. Yeah, I never got on the methamphetamines, yeah, but I still feel either. like I could really enjoy yeah, the. me neither. Like, I feel like I yeah, could really enjoy the, the, the experience. I'm uh-huh. sure. I mean, I, there's got to be something. People do it for a reason. But yeah, I got really excited about that TikTok. I'm like, yeah, I could totally be that 1950s housewife. Yeah, you totally could. Dinner at four o'clock. But that's at home. In separate beds. I know. <laughs> that's at home. And I agree with all of that. I'm picturing them hot and sweaty. Yeah. In the middle of goddamn nowhere. Everyone fucking. In the middle of sweaty. the valley somewhere. Just sweaty and gross and high. Like LSD. That shit doesn't turn off when you want it to turn off. I like, I prefer my mushrooms in the comfort of my air conditioning. And that's mushrooms. They're doing acid. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be out there tripping balls. I'm more of like a natural. Does it grow from the ground? Then I'll fuck with it. Yeah. But once you start getting into chemicals and acid and meth and stuff, no, 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 no. That's scary. 
Anywho. <laughs> right. Where are we? On August 8th, 1968, we see Manson record his hit Six City Ooh. at Gold Star Studio with his groupy girls in tow at Spawn's Ranch, Movie Ranch. We see him convincing an elderly man to allow him and his group to crash at his place. In return, they will help him around the property and he can help himself to the ladies oh boy lucky ladies while there they built their family right there's no leaders there's no followers we are just people all wanting the same thing peace and love living off the land free of judgment no hate the girls really form a sisterhood they're all taking care of one another they're brushing their hair blah 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 (laughs) One night, we see Manson passing around acid. Trust me, don't you? Once everyone's high, like you said, he took less so that he can actually control himself. He goes on asking people, um, would you die for me? Would you pledge your life for me? I'm going to be your savior. That night, everyone is holding like a mock crucifixion oh boy exciting they're painting themselves in what might be blood it might be paint i don't really know anyways manson soon finds out from terry that the record label isn't going to sign him and he of course goes off the rails he tells all of his people about this radical holy war that he's prophesized, helter skelter it would be, and as a result of the apocalypse, he assures them that he'll make sure that they're all prepared and that they'll survive. Thank God. Right. I, I guess the attorney's getting bored at this point because he cuts Manson off and he's like, "Let's get to Sharon Tate." <laughs> the attorney. Because he's in jail telling the story. The, oh. The attorney asked him at the beginning. Like I totally missed that part. Yep. I'm so sorry. Yep. Okay. He's in jail telling the story. Got it. I'm with you. I'm yep. so sorry. No, you're good. He's like, let's get to Sharon Tate. According to Manson, he just walked up to the door. Wasn't looking for her. He was looking for Terry, who used to live there, which we all know. It's... um in benedict canyon la that we see a pregnant sharon meet manson for the first time and for whatever reason after this meeting manson decides to go back to the ranch and informs everybody that helter skelter is getting close and they need cash on hand Mm. and that's when they start doing all the fucking weird black panther shit no mention of dennis wilson no dang not once that's crazy. We see Manson shoot a man in the stomach. We don't see if he dies. They leave the bloody handprint to look like the panther claw as the clue. And we see these fucking hippies go about shooting and beating a bunch of drug dealers because, according to Manson, the world's going to be better off without them. Even though you take their drugs? 
July 27th, 1969, he convinces three of the groupies to stab a drug dealer to death. I think this is the one that they thought had the money. Gary. Yep. Gary Hindman. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then finally, August 8th, 1969, it's time for Helter Skelter and Manson informs the groupies it's going down at the former Melcher house, new home to Miss Tate. Three women, one man in the group, right? Yes. He tells them to drive to the house and leave a sign, quote unquote, Something witchy. Yes, that is true. Okay, cool. Sharon's home with four friends. So I guess they counted the dude at the front gate. As a friend. Mm -hmm. Although he was not. Yeah. Sharon's friend Abigail sees one of Charlie's girls wandering about the property. But just assumes like so many people come and go from the house. Mm -hmm. Like that the, the girl must know somebody. And, like, even, like, gives her, like, a little wave, like, hey. Yeah. Creepy as fuck. Reminded me of, like, I don't know, like, strangers vibes. That theory goes out the window when we hear gunshots. They've shot Sharon's friend Steve on the driveway leading up to the house. They then hop a gate, sneaking through an open door. Sharon's friend Jay is shot and stabbed multiple times while trying to defend Sharon. Mm-hmm. Her other two friends are tied up and questioned about money. When Manson's family only comes up with $70, they're fucking pissed. They start beating and stabbing everyone in sight. Wojek, as we yeah. said, hobbles away. Gets caught in the yard, stabbed to death. Same thing happens to Abigail as she tries to escape through the backyard. The stab scenes in this movie are good. Good sounds, good blood. It's intense. Sharon's the only one left, tied up by the neck inside. She is stabbed in her belly. And the horror in her eyes and her screams and her cries for her unborn child are enough to send anyone fucking just... Yeah reeling was it upsetting oh yeah yeah big time i i forgot she was pregnant once you and like pregnant pregnant so fucking pregnant pregnant. so scary yeah it's Uh upsetting before the killers leave they use the blood of the victims to write pig on the wall august 9th we see manson in a car with the groupies telling them that their work at the melcher house was sloppy just like Mm. you said Mm -hmm. they fuck up again He's going to show him how it's done right. Okay. And that's when we cut to a husband and a wife sitting on their couch at home in Los Feliz discussing the recent murders. And there's a knock at the door. And it's Charlie and his groupies. Charlie leaves three of them there to tie up and stab the couple while instructing the other two to drive him to a separate location. Again... The movie does not hold back on the brutality of the Mm -hmm. murder. The killers use the blood to write Helter Skelter on the wall, leave a fork in the husband's torso. They shower together Mm -hmm. before they calmly walk away from the scene. This movie has every detail. 
Every detail. Uh huh. It even has details I left out. August 16th, back to the beginning of the movie. We watch the police storm the ranch, finding Manson in the coop. Amazing Grace plays in the background. (laughs) We see Charlie back in jail telling the attorney that the ranch hand at Spawn's movie ranch snitched to police because Charlie wouldn't share his girls and that forced them to flee to Barker Ranch nearby, which is where they were found. Okay. Okay. The attorney is asking him to explain why this group of people would want to go to the house of the music producers, like, who screwed you over if you had nothing to do with it. Like, they would just randomly do this for no reason if Mm -hmm. you didn't instruct them to do it. And he's like, well, wouldn't you want to help your friends? (laughs) When they show him pictures of the mutilated bodies, Manson questions, why should I care? I didn't kill them. The attorney decides against representing Manson. And when Charlie asks why, he responds, because even though you didn't kill these people, you took advantage of those kids. You convinced them to murder. All because you're butthurt that you didn't blow up like the Beatles. That's goddamn right. You know who he has that in common with? You know who oh he, my God. You know who he reminds me of for real? And this is not just because of the swastika. Fucking Hitler. Because mm-hmm. they both, first of all, have like short man syndrome. <clears throat> they're both fucking nerds. And they're both like really charismatic and can like draw people to them. But you know, Adolf Hitler, like half of his problem is the fact that he's an art school reject, right? Yeah. Like he wanted to be a famous painter. And he failed the admission test to some famous like Austrian art school. And then ever since then, he was on the war path. It's just like Manson and his goddamn music career. And feelings are hurt. What can we say? <laughs> During questioning, one of the groupies named Susan confesses to killing Sharon and tells police she orgasmed as she plunged the knife into her and tasted her blood which Ew. was very episode 73 Vampire of Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf, <laughs> our last one. Yay, the vamp. Love it. And the movie ends with these notes. The Manson family was sentenced to death. In 1971, the state of California overturned that penalty and changed it to life in prison. All of that's true. I just cut it out, yeah. Patty is currently the longest incarcerated female in California penal system. Yep, that was right. Patricia. In 2011 parole hearing uh, the panel was swayed by letters from all over the world calling for her to be still incarcerated. Right. Right. Leslie was awarded a retrial in 1977 on the grounds that her counsel had not adequately represented her. But by her third trial, oh God, she was also sentenced to life where she remains. Uh-huh. Linda became the star witness of the trial. Charles Watson, aka Tex. There it is. Fled to Texas, but was extradited back to California in 1970. And while in prison, like you said, he became a minister. He runs a Christian prison outreach program. And it reminded me, 
episode 71, Ken Bianchi, Hillside Strangler. He also became a born again and worked as a chaplain while in the prison. All right. Susan, our little vampire. She also became a born again Christian while incarcerated and died of brain cancer in 2009. Yep. And 2011, Manson skipped his parole hearing, claiming to be a political prisoner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so, yes, I didn't, like, do official notes, but we'll do a little recap of my watching of The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Okay, hold on real quick, though. This first movie. For sure. I give it a five star. I mean... It's exactly what I just said. There were no name actors. Mm-hmm. It's not a well-known movie. It sounds like brutal death scenes. The I'm telling you, like, the stabbings were hard. I got, like, cringy feelings, mm-hmm. like, ugh, like, sick to my stomach. Like, I don't... I don't it's hard want. to do with yeah. you. Yeah. I was like, mm-mm. A five-star review. I'm going to give it a five incredible yeah coming off of weeks of low star reviews yeah no it was excellent of and of all the movies of some random all the movies i had to choose from yeah there's a lot there's even a a more recent one with like a big actor in mm-hmm. it right i can't remember who it is but it's like a big name no but think about my critiques of the movies they they either choose to go all in the at the beginning mm-hmm. and then try to like fast forward through the end Mm-hmm. Or they skip all the beginning and they just want to do like the end murders. Yeah, yeah. And like flashbacks and shit. Mm-hmm. No, they kept it in order. It made sense. It was a very fluid. Imagine that. Imagine if you write a script where things go in the actual order they went in real life. How much it makes sense. They didn't draw out his childhood at all, but it was yeah. like these things happened. It sucked. It made him like this. Yeah, yeah. The guy that plays him looks incredible. Wow. Looks incredible. Can't wait to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I watched it for free. I think it was on like Tubby. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. That's another plus right there. Anything that. Yeah. No, it was really good. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm for sure going to watch it. Mm hmm. And then why did I watch The Haunting of Sharon Tate? Because it looks absolutely awful. And it's got it Hillary Duff. It's got Hillary Duff in a one-star review. Right. <laughs> All the reviews are terrible. It's it's bad, but it wasn't that bad. I but w- let's remember, your bar for what's bad is very different right. than everybody else's. So here, here are some interesting things that I'd like to discuss. Okay. So <laughs> in the movie, apparently, she had a premonition. Mm. She knew that mm-hmm. she was going to get murdered. Yeah, that's all fake. She, she did it in this interview. Mm-hmm. So all that was for this movie? Yeah. None no, of that actually happened. Not a thing. Got In it. fact, Sharon's family has came out against this movie. Okay. was like, this movie's full of shit. So, because another thing they do that's very fucking weird and bizarre is, so outside of that, right? So at the very beginning, she has that interview where she, she has this prophecy, this, this murder, blah, blah, mm. blah, 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 mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of that... They do kind of recount the days leading up to her death. Okay. Right. Her 
driving around town with her bestie, mm-hmm. right? Talking about Roman not being around and just how it would feel for her to be pregnant, living in this big house with mm-hmm. him not being there. And she's like, well, it's nice to have you friends around. But Abigail and Wojek or whatever, I guess they were big time partiers. Oh, okay. And so they were the ones that were kind of inviting unwelcome people to the house. And that's Mm. why she felt on edge because it was like, again, she's pregnant. She's nesting. Yeah. And they're all fucking partying. Yeah. Crazy. You and I would both have big problems in her house. Yeah. While Roman's not around. It's a nightmare. Nightmare situation. And then this fucking crazy Charlie dude comes looking for Melcher. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, my God. They killed a dog. You know, I'm upset about that in the movie. It's rough. Right. And then they show her like hiking in the canyons one day and like the girls like creeping up on her. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's all for the movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) None of that happened. Nobody was stalking her. Like I said, the they didn't even know that they were doing it until the night. Right. And the girls didn't even know they were doing it until they got there. Okay. The only person who had any clue was Tex and that was before they left. No, I for whatever reason thought that the premonition thing could have been true, but now that you said that. And then um at the very very end of the movie for whatever reason <laughs> they give another take on the ending where Sharon lives. Okay. They win. Her and her bestie. They try to Tarantino it. They go around and they kill all the other people. Okay. And you see her. A pregnant Sharon Tate and her hairdresser best friend go and kill all the amazing family members. No, no, no. Legit. And we see them walk away from the house. But then she's like, hold up, guys. And she walks back and you see the police covering all the bodies. And then she realizes they're the bodies that are being covered so it's like a, a whole wait oh, so she's a ghost now a kind of right exactly they, no all the emotions and all the feels and all the expressions on your face are accurate <laughs> for how you feel watching this movie. hillary duff was up bad she yeah. needed <laughs> is she still with diana ross's son or grandson or whoever no she, that's ashley Okay, because I was like, does Hillary Duff need a payday? What's happening here? She does have another child, so but this was before. Oh, that. that's right, because her um partner, I don't know if they're married or not, uh, her and him look just like Joe and Honey from They or, do. Joe and Love. They do. Joe and Love from you. They totally do. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So how many knives do you give that? A negative. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A negative knife. But again, in between. It's a spoon. In between the made up premonition. some stuff And the twist of the ending. That's a big twist. Yeah. A real big twist. Then sure, I could see how a pregnant Sharon Tate would feel living in that house, having a crazy man knocking at her door. Yeah. I guess. And then they killed the fucking dog. Listen, that's going to get you a star taken off right there. Every time you want a good review on our podcast, stop fucking killing the dog. Somebody send a mass email out to Hollywood and let them know. It's not necessary. On True Hollywood Crimes podcast, you will lose a star for killing a dog or animal. Fucking torture, kill, maim, whatever the rest of us, but you leave them out of it. 
Is that your way of saying that you want to do the BTK killer next? No. Find, torture, kill? Sure. I don't think he killed animals. I think he just killed people. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Babe. All right. Well, you know, I didn't have high hopes for the Hillary Duff one. I knew no. that was going to be a piece of garbage. It was fun. It has to be a lot for the Tate family to be like, you know what? That's enough. No, it was literally, it was like, okay, I watched the first movie. It ticked all my boxes. And I mean, I, this might be one of, if not the closest movie to case adaptation we've had so far on the, on the podcast. Agreed. Like I said, they had stuff that I left out like the $70. That was a real thing. They tied up Sharon and Jay. They made Abigail go get money and all she had was $70 in her purse. Interesting. And then the events unfolded from there like i left it out because i'm like what does that (laughs) matter in the scheme of them brutally murdering these people but your movie put it in there okay that was a detail they didn't overlook so for my look of the week yes Uh we are a thousand percent going to a chicken to my chicken coop i can't believe he was found in a chicken i don't think he was oh i think he was actually found in like underneath a sink what like underneath like a, a he was a tiny cupboard. man he yeah was a small man but i did read that they found the children oh underneath the chicken coop like there was Whoa. like like a separate little bunker or something so wild yeah Mm. so we're we're taking a field trip to the chicken coop to, you get to see b's chicken coop how exciting yeah maybe you'll see the chicken with half a face maybe the it's funny nick said that while i was gone that they scared the shit out of him because he couldn't find the chicken's or the duck. He and, can only find the bunny. And they were all hunkered down somewhere? They were in the coop. Yeah. Where they've never been. So oh, he, they don't go in the coop? No. Why? Because they're confused. We crate trained our chickens <laughs> and our duck that they literally sleep in the wire crate like mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm, that he mm-hmm. built them with the bunny. Where did, Do they lay eggs yet? No. Oh, not yet. Probably like September. Yeah, my boss has chickens in just a small coop that she actually repurposed her son's. Um, she has two kids. They're like old playhouse that yeah. was made out of wood. Mm-hmm. She took mm-hmm. that and repurposed it, put For some chicken sure. wire and stuff on it and made a little coop. But they don't have the nice little like um, thing that you have, like the door where you can like yeah. reach and get the roost, get the eggs. Anywho, she lets her chickens are very free range. She just puts them in at night. So they go out. And they are the age to lay eggs, but they just lay them wherever in her yard. So it's fun. Every day she gets her boys out it's there dragon. to go mm. on an egg hunt every yeah. day. Every day they get to go look through her fucking landscaping and it to is. find chicken eggs. I would for sure let them do that, and that would be fine. It's a lot of chicken poop. And she only has a few. Yeah. She only has a couple, and she also doesn't have a homicidal murderous cat stalking mm. their every moves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Oh, meow meows. Can't wait to get you out there and get a little dirty in the coop. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Super fun. And so, yeah, whether or not you want to draw a swastika on my head. Oh, of course. Of course. I was going to say, I think that my movie kept it kept it a little bit classier. I think they only did an X. So that's what he had at first. Yeah. When he first goes to prison, he has the X <laughs> on his head. 
at some point later on in the years, he changes it to Just how much classier it is compared to the hillside stranglings I where mean, they use the noose, which was not even part of the case. Yeah. Versus this where they chose to use the X. No, but the X is true, though. Yeah, I love that it. That is true to Charles Manson. So the X might be a little more politically correct, yeah. I guess. I don't even know how to draw a swastika. I remember trying to do it in middle school for like it's a not history easy. project. Yeah. And it was so hard. I messed it up a few times. We were studying um, not just the Holocaust. Remember that book, Mouse? <gasps> Girl, I was just going to bring this up. Okay. Mouse? S- yes. Okay. Because when we were in Chester uh-huh. having lunch, mm-hmm. we stopped at a new little place to eat on our way home. It's a bookstore. And it was on the banned book section? It, it was just, it was like front and center. It mm-hmm. was like upstairs, just like. Right there, which I thought for Chester, right? Because I know it's like a controversial book right now. I'm like, okay, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Versus being like hidden downstairs where the main majority of the bookstore was. Yeah. And then I took Violet to see her first movie. Yep. Pause of Fury. I gave her the option, though, between that and the Minions movie, the Mm -hmm. new one, because she loves the Minions. What's not to love? I thought Minions guaranteed, but no, Pause of Fury. I think Despicable Me 2 was um, my oldest's first movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. And while that is a Japanese kind of based film, The Paws of Fury, Mm -hmm. a lot of the animation in it was very, very Mouse-esque. Like, clearly, clearly. Like, the the way that the faces were structured, the whole, like, it was blatantly obvious oh that's cool i thought so and so the fact that you would even bring that up on the Mouse. podcast while i was thinking that yeah mm-hmm. no that's stu- that's stuck with me forever it's absolutely yeah and i know that not here in our beautiful luxurious state of california but other places in this goddamn country it's, it's on the being banned, banned. Book list yeah but every because you know me i'm in used bookstores a lot yeah and so every used independently owned used bookstore i'm ever in they usually have a banned book section mm-hmm. where they're like, here's the books they're banning and here's come buy them because mm-hmm. fuck them. And yeah, so that didn't surprise me at all that Mouse would be on like one of their displays. For sure. Lovely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And, and I don't remember a lot from school. You know that. Yeah. And even that book struck a chord with me. Like I remember that book for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Animal Farm? No. Mm. <laughs> That's all right. I'm sure your kid will have to read it in about um, 10 years or so. The shit that I don't remember, my mom, she'll call, that's all our conversations are. It's like, hey, do you remember that time? Nope. The fact that your mom remembers it and you don't. Right. Disgusting. I know. That's so funny. Uh, So, hey, guys, look forward to seeing me in a chicken coop. We got to try to plan it so it's not like hot as balls. I mean, that's a you problem. I know. A me problem. Well, you got to be out there to take the picture. I know, but it's only 30 seconds. It's mm, fine. Yeah. You're the one who has to get out down in the I do that nitty three, gritty three times a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to see pictures of B rolling around in, in chicken, chicken shit. Yeah. <laughs> chicken coop. 
Uh, go to THC Podcast on Instagram. Shoot me a, a DM. Do a, a review if you want. If I get review. pink eye for you motherfuckers, wow. I better get a review. <laughs> Maybe we'll show you the duck. Maybe we'll show you the bunny. Maybe we'll show you my ancient dog. Mm-hmm. There's also chicken with half a face that almost died <laughs> but survived. Only the strong survived. So we've got, I've named them officially. So we've got Oreo, the, the bunny, bunny. Billy, the duck, because she's got a bill. Right. Right. TikTok is the one with half the face. Uh huh. And then Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Perfect. Yeah. Everybody else died. Yeah. So uh-huh. that's all we got left. And everyone else got murdered. All right. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, we hope you have a great rest of your month. Yeah. And we will see you next time. Bye.